Erin, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Um, we're going to be sort of taking a bit of a, a wade through, you know, customer service and customer experience and the challenges that you guys have been facing and, and some of the ways that you've been trying to tackle that. Sounds great. Great. Okay, so let's just jump right in. So, so Michael Dell said recently in an interview with Forbes that companies don't do a, a very good job using data. How does Dell use data for customer experience? You know, one of the great things about Dell, if, if you think about the company as a whole, its origin was having a very direct relationship with customers. And so even from the very beginnings, Michael Dell himself, and, and he instilled in the culture throughout the company, having that direct relationship with customers matters, and, and that hasn't changed at all um, in the time that the company has, has been around. Um, what has evolved, however, is our approach to using that data. And um, a couple of examples that, that might help um, in our online interactions, whether it's Dell.com or if someone's engaging Dell from a support perspective, um, we know exactly what's going on with every customer at every point in time, whether that's a consumer attempting to purchase something through Dell.com or whether you're a larger commercial customer and interacting with some of our larger partner portals. Um, we understand where people are engaging, um, where they're spending time, um, what things are piquing their interest. And so all of that data is used in such a way that, that helps us to figure out what are the next things that we need to do to, to highlight what that customer may need to accomplish that perhaps um, we weren't doing before. So, so in other words, we're actively learning and using the data that exists um, that, that our customers essentially are bringing to us by their usage. Great. Okay. Is there any, any examples that, you, you know, that come to mind that would help kind of really illustrate that point? Yeah, uh, one of the things I'm actually really excited about that we're investing in quite quite a bit in, in the area of responsibilities that I have is in this predictive learning space. So um, the area of uh, responsibility I have for the company is in what we call order experience, and, and I'll talk about that as we go throughout the, the conversation today. Um, but specifically, um, we need to know what's happening with the products um, during development from the manufacturing side, from the fulfillment side, what's happening as it gets to our customers, if there's delays, um, say with carriers, or if there's a weather event or things like that. We're building the capability to understand all of these various data feeds, learn from those, and become better and more able to predict what's going to happen with a given delivery for a customer. And it's, you know, this, because we're using all of these data sources and um, they're, we're pulling from multiple streams, the best thing that we can do with that is learn from it and continue to um, get more and more precise with how we're delivering commitments to our customers. Hmm. And would you say that was, you know, Dell are in the early stages of that process or is that something that you guys have been doing for quite a while? We're at varying stages of it depending on, on the topic that, that we're discussing. So as far as the delivery work that I just mentioned, um, we are absolutely instrumented from um, everything happening in our development manufacturers to what's happening with the carriers. We know where things are at any given point in time. The extra, uh, the extra layer that we're bringing to that conversation is in the additional data feeds that will help us understand um, 
if there's a disruption, for example, what can we do about that? How can we proactively notify those customers that a disruption may occur? And so the best way to think about it is um, in basic delivery management, we're, we're very well instrumented. We've been using that for a long time. But when it gets into a situation where there may need to be a revision, say a part shortage or something happening um, where something can't get to a customer as predicted, we're getting smarter and evolving that machine learning capability uh, to better communicate to our customers. Hmm. Okay, great. And um, and so, what are the kind of the the key kind of challenges and problems that, that Dell faces when it comes to digital customer experience? Yeah, you know what's interesting about that is a lot of those uh, challenges are predictable, right? I think, um, but but one of the interesting challenges that that we're seeing now is that customers' expectations are beginning to be shaped by their experiences outside of engaging with a tech company. Um, so, for example. Um, Let's just talk about grocery, for example. The experiences people have with what they can do to make it smoother and faster and easier to get their groceries delivered, that type of experience is actually playing a role in what people's expectations are when they engage with a company like Dell. If it's seamless and fast and they can go do certain things in that industry, they expect those experiences to translate into other industries. And so when you when you think about it from a, a challenges perspective, some of those things, like, like I said, are pretty predictable. You can see the trends coming. You can understand what to do with those and how to adapt those. And in some cases, the Dell and the tech industry itself are the ones creating sort of those paradigm shifts in engagement. But um, it's it's a little bit more unpredictable sometimes when, say, a, a new capability comes up in an entirely different industry, and then that affects how people want to engage with you. So I, I would say that's probably the challenge is the speed at which people are um, expecting things um, to change in across all of their engagement. So it sounds like people, yeah, innovations in you know completely different industries for completely different you know, reasons and causes. Uh, people are starting to almost expect those innovations to be in every experience that they have. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, customer expectations fundamentally shape the decisions that we make. Um, you know, any, anything that we do in this company has to make business sense, but it, it, at the root of it, it's derived from our customers' needs and wants. So absolutely. And I know we, we, we briefly touched on this a bit earlier in the conversation, but can we you know, dive a bit deep, deeper into some of the, the you know, those innovations around that customer experience that you guys have worked on and, and come up with over the years? Yeah, um, you know, one thing I'll, I'll mention um, kind of across the board, which is which is something that Dell does, I think, better than than anyone else. Um, innovation in the sense of how we engage with our customers and understand what is going on in their world contextually. Um, so we we approach customer getting customer feedback in several different ways. Um, we engage in what we call um, customer journey research. So it's not enough necessarily just to go engage with customers in, in via survey or, or something like that. Um, the more important and rich data comes from getting embedded within their environments, whether that's a consumer customer or what, whether it's one of our large commercial customers who have more complex engagements with the company, um, understanding what 
problems they have, what pain points they have in their space, and, and perhaps even um, what we call unarticulated needs that we can observe while studying people in their environment. Um, that in itself is an innovative way to approach customer experience and how we make decisions about what we do. Um, you know, across the company, you know, whether it's a product design or, or solution that we're we're bringing forward to the market, or whether it's something that we're doing in our in the way that we do business, we fundamentally root those decisions in in engaging with customers. So that that alone is a very innovative way to engage with customers. We, in, in other words, we simply don't rely on just survey data alone. We are talking with our customers constantly. Yeah, and just to go back, that, there was a there was a term you used. Was it inarticulate problems? Is that was that the term you used? Unarticulated needs, and so yeah. I'll expand on that a bit. Um, when you ask customers, um, and it's important to do this too, you can ask customers directly, you know, what pain points do you have? How can we make things better for you? And, and they have the ability to articulate certain things that um, could be working better for them, or in some cases, you know, helping us to identify uh, breakdowns in, in, say, business decisions processes that we have that we know we can improve. But when you actually observe customers in their environment and you can actually see things that they're trying to do that they may not even understand could be improved. So we can watch someone go through a series of steps to accomplish something and say, wow, guess what? If we if we did this and hooked this here and connected these on the back end, this would make this a lot simpler for that customer. But that customer would not necessarily tell us, you know, if you could create an API to do this, to talk with my environment, um, they're not going to articulate that. We can, however, um, by observing them and interacting how they do business, those are the unarticulated needs that we can then take back into designing our processes better. Or, you know, if it's a product conversation, we can watch them um, engage with um, engage with a product in a certain way and go, wow, maybe we could do this a little bit differently, make this better or easier for them. So it's it's almost it's sort of watching a customer who may be very comfortable use of a certain process, but and, and and as you said, don't describe it as a problem, but you can see that and go, actually, we can make that quicker or simpler or fewer steps or something like that. Exactly, and and you know that can be in the form of us actually engaging with them directly, physically. Um, we also have the ability to monitor what happens when someone comes into Dell.com, for example. Um, we have a program uh, we call it Tea Leaf Sessions. Um, essentially, we're able to record, you know, what what's happening as a customer goes through what we call the browse, cart, and checkout experience, and we can see where they stumble, where um, perhaps something, where they go back and check things. You know, in other words, those types of observations can help us realize, hmm, maybe we should actually bring this particular piece of data forward, or we could make this other certain thing clear. We can see what search terms they're coming into the site with and, and what are the things that would help us, um, you know, make something more clear for our customer. Yeah, and so what, so what are some of the conversations that you're having with the customers at the moment? Like, what are they, what are they, are they like clustered around, you know, particular topics or themes or, you know, or any other kind of grouping that you could expand on? Yeah, and so, and, and I'm going to focus this more in the order experience space. Obviously, um, across the company, we are having conversations with our customers about lots of different things, whether it's, you know, new solutions for their environment um, and it, tons of different conversations. But specifically in the order experience space, we're, we're at a point now where uh, we've done a lot of the very sort of basic order experience um, touch points in, in, in a clean way. We're, we're, we're 
that's pretty simple for customers. There's always room for improvement. But the next level of um, depth where we want to get better at engaging with our customers is in, in a couple of areas. Um, so as customers, and in this case I'm speaking about more of a large uh, commercial customer, um, customers who are engaging with Dell and the broader tech technologies um, aligned businesses are purchasing complex solutions from us. It's no longer just, hey, I'm purchasing one thing or 10 PCs. It's, it's sometimes Dell customers are purchasing quite quite a few things in a, um, in a complex way from us. And so how do we help them um, with their order management and tracking in those complex solutions? Um, another, another example that's um, very clearly um, becoming um, relevant is uh, the best way to describe it is how do we help um, how do we integrate better with the systems that they have in their environment? So every customer is a bit different. You know, they all have ERP systems and different ways of managing how they engage with their vendors. Dell is one of many. Um, and what we want to do is figure out how we can be the stickiest vendor for them. We want to make it so easy to do business with us that they say, in addition to great products and great services, it's so easy to do business with Dell that that's the icing on the cake that that makes us want to work with you. And so it's it's really those more in-depth conversations that we're having right now where we're getting involved in in that level of granularity. It's not just us surfacing up content to them and letting them do the basic capabilities. It's how do we better integrate into their system. Hmm. And so you may, you may have already covered this question, but I'll ask it anyway. So an another comment um, from, from Mr. Dell, um, and he said, we, I believe we learn more from our customers than our competitors do. Yeah, and you, you've already touched upon it a little bit, but can you kind of explain, you know, like, I, if we've had done interviews with lots of you know, people working in this space and other industries, and they're all about, you know, grabbing as much information from, from their customers as possible. Can you tell me a bit about you know, Dell's process in that sense? Yeah, and, and I've, you're right. I touched on it a bit. You know, the things I mentioned about customer journey research and, you know, making sure that, of course, you, you do, you know, do survey pulses and things like that. Those are all important. But um, there, there's a couple things I'd like to mention that go beyond that. Dell, Dell I think, is unique in their approach here. Um, and those are, you know, we have customer advisory councils. We engage um, in social media forums way better than um, than any other technology company right now. Um, we use all that data as well. So if you think about the, the system of um, whether it's metrics or engagement points with customers that we have, we don't collect that data in a vacuum. We actually take the data. We rationalize it, we action it, we, we understand what themes are coming up, and, and, and the good thing about having all those different sources of customer data is that you can begin to see trends in, say, a particular region or a country where maybe something's happening that's um, shifting the dynamic and customer expectations um, that you wouldn't have necessarily seen if you only relied on just on legacy ways of engaging with customers. So th the best way to think about this is we think about customer experience as a system. It's not one metric that's going to be the be-all and end-all of what we do. It's comprehensive and it's a system. Um, the other thing I'll say that, um, you know, Michael Dell has instilled this in his company culture from day one, and it's consistently reinforced in our culture code and people live and breathe this. There's really only two types of employees here at Dell. There are those who serve customers directly, and then there are those who serve those who serve customers. So in, in other words, um, you're either interacting with a customer directly or you are helping enable 
those people who have to interact with our customers to make them um, inform them in a way so they can do their job in, in the right way and do everything they need to do for our customers. Mm. So it sounds like the, yeah, the whole company is, just, is geared completely towards the customer. Yes, it's uh, customer first. And in the, I've been at Dell since 2003, and it's a primary primary focus. Um, the strategy has never changed away from focusing on hearing our customers. And so how, how you know, over that, you know, your experience since you've been at Dell, how have you, how has the company leveraged digital to either automate or replace the experience of talking to a person in that customer experience? Yeah, um, you know, that's, that, that's interesting because there's, depending on the customer and depending on the situation, there, there's times absolutely when customers do need to speak with a person and want to speak with a person. And we want to make sure that when that occurs, that that is as easy and simple as possible. But one of the shifts that we've seen, and, and this flows into some of our priorities in the order experience space, is that customers are more and more often wanting to do what we call self-serve. So in other words, something that may have in the past required a telephone call to a sales representative or to a care agent, whether it's a return or a cancellation or, oh, I need to change a shipping address or whatever it might be, what we're attempting to do in our investments is to enable as much self-serve capability as possible. And we're trying to identify those next critical areas of needs that customers have and, and make those self-serve where possible. So um, that that's one area um, of focus, um, shifting to uh, digital as much as possible. But again, um, oftentimes there's there's kind of an engagement in both ways. Sometimes it's sometimes you're actually having a customer who's on the phone with you and interacting with um, something on the site. But either way, that I think that's probably the the most robust example of that. And and, and with those the, yeah those two yeah, the, the the speaking to a person and that kind of self serve experience like. Are they, how do you kind of treat, do you treat those as a kind of like two halves of the same whole or do you treat those interactions differently in any way? Um, we think of them holistically, as a, you know, yin, yin and yang, I guess uh, might be a way to think about it. Um, while the, the folks who are responsible for, um, let's just use care support as, as an example, and that's just one example. The, the team that's responsible for organizing all of our customer care support handles not only sort of the telephony side of things, but also is responsible for the communications that go out for follow-up care. Or um, this is also the same team that's building the plans for how to make our returns process, self-service returns process easier. Because if the same team is building that, then they're, they're able to know based on what customers are telling them when they try to use the phone to make a return using that example, what are the things that they need to build into the online self-serve process to make that simple and easy and prevent a phone call? So it's, it's not different groups designing um, different aspects of the experience. I, I suppose that at some level, there's some development capabilities that, that ultimately live in different places. But from a strategic perspective, the, the leaders that are in charge of, of resolving any one given area are all working, working together. And so, and again, something that we've we've touched on a bit earlier in the conversation. But how do you how do you surface what your customers are saying about the business and, and gauge that sentiment? Yeah, and you know, we talked a bit about some of the I would say some of the more um, informal forms of feedback, um, such as 
customer advisory councils or, or engagements directly on a customer's, um, you know, at a com customer's company or something like that. Um, but, but it's also important to have a more structured view as well. Um, you have to have both, but, but the method that we use here at Dell, um, we use a couple of things. Um, one of them is the net promoter score, um, which is an industry standard way of engaging customer loyalty or understanding customer loyalty. And so by asking that question, which is very simply, how likely are you are you to recommend Dell to family or friends, or how likely are you to recommend Dell to colleagues? You know, depending on whether it's a consumer customer or commercial customer answering the question. And based on that that score, we're able to assess whether these customers are likely to be what we call promoters. Uh, passives or detractors and obviously you want more people to be promoters now within that answer to that question that, that that will help you understand at a high level it gives you a barometer of what's happening with your customers where's the loyalty sentiment is it changing now, that's the other important thing is that you can't just ask these questions on an ad hoc basis it has to be very structured and so we have a methodical way about going out and reaching our customers whether they're a consumer or whether they're a large enterprise customer and engaging with them on a regular basis to figure out what is their sentiment? Is it changing? Is there something that we need to do? Um, and we do allow open-ended feedback as part of those surveys as well. So we can sort of what we, we do, we call it mining the verbatims. Um, we can understand what customers are saying beyond just answering that survey. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that um, that loyalty sentiment is, is very important to the company. It's one of the, the critical, um, critical pieces of data that regularly is reviewed by our executive leadership team. But we also have, I would say, at a more granular level, um, I call them incident-based um, customer experience responses. So, for example, if you have to call tech support for a reason, then that tech support call will trigger a um, what we call CSAT or a customer satisfaction survey. So, you may get a survey as it relates to a specific engagement. The reason you need both is that you have to have the high-level loyalty um, sentiment, but then you also have to know is there something happening or ways we can improve things in certain engagement touch points as well. Okay, so it's the and so and just as a little sort of side question, what happens if you, you know, in that research you find a customer who is a detractor? Like, what 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 happens then? What's that process look like when when you find that? So that's a great question, actually. And um, so we have a really robust follow-up process. Um, so with our consumer customers, um, we do have to do it in a sampling way um, because the volume is, is quite large. Um, but but I'll speak to some of our commercial and enterprise um, customer responses. So anytime a customer responds um, to that question in, in a detractor way, so um, the, the scale is from 0 to 11. And if you are 0 to 6, you're considered a detractor. Um, so our what we have happened there is we have our sales team who is responsible for that particular account engage with that customer to find out specifically what went wrong. Sometimes the customer tells us very clearly in, in their open-ended response. But either way, there's a very specific follow-up. Sales is usually that first point of contact. Oftentimes, though, the situation that created the detractor moment is, um, is outside of sales. And so in that case, um, our sales, uh, sales leaders will go back to the um, department that actually is the one that could hear the corrective feedback and engage. Um, one, other, one other thing that's kind of interesting, too, is we don't just focus on the detractors. 
Um, and I actually think this is unique for us. We use this NPS or Net Promoter Score data. We actually follow up with promoters and passives as well, not, not to the same volume extent that we do with detractors, but we think it's important to understand, hey, if somebody's happy, what are some of the things that we can do to make them even happier? Um, how do we maintain this relationship? How do we make sure that we're talking to them in such a way where it's not only when something's going wrong? So in other words, we, we don't want to be a reactive only um, company as far as how we engage with our customers. We're very proactive in making sure that we're always talking to um, our promoters as well. Hmm. So it's, yeah, so it's sort of, it's, it's moving that needle in, across all kind of customer categories. Yes. Yes, if you wait till someone has a really bad experience and it's not being resolved the way they want, um, then you, you've already lost a lot of loyalty and, and, and sent positive sentiment that that customer may have had. It'll be tougher to regain that. So, yes, we work across. And um, so, you know, again, yeah, you, you touched upon the, you know, those metrics about loyalty scores. What other metrics do you, you use to measure success? Uh, as a company, of course, uh, well, for customer experience, it, it's really those primary loyalty and sentiment scores as well as the incident-based, um, you know, CSAT types of metrics. Um, another important thing to call out to measuring success is it's a little bit more indirect. It's not in customer language per se, but there are operational metrics that we believe are incredibly important that um, sort of help us understand the health of any given customer account, and I'll just give you a couple of examples, um, but you can imagine it's, it's numerous. Um, one of the things that we look at um, in my space in particular is, is what we call the on-time metric or the perfect order index. And um, we have to make sure that we're delivering to our customers on the date committed to them, not early, not late. And when it delivers to them, is, it, is there anything missing, wrong, or damaged? You know, those types of things, we track that. Um, another thing that we look at that helps us understand if there's process breakdowns um, would be cancellations. You know, how many customers are canceling orders or are we as a company canceling an order on somebody, say because of a part shortage or whatever it may be, but we need to track those because we can't let those go askew. We have to make sure that we stay on top of those things. And so if you think about those operational metrics in conjunction with the more customer-facing loyalty metrics it's really that suite that that brings it all together okay and then uh, so last question uh, for you Aaron so you know the company has gone through some tough times over the last 20 years like how how has customer the, you know the customer experience shifted the company's trajectory so what have you changed for the customer that that fundamentally has changed the company's fortunes yeah, you, you know, the one thing that's great um, great about Dell and, and how, how we've adapted and shifted over just over the time that the company was formed, um, we've, one thing has always been true. We've always been very, we've been able to respond very quickly. Um, the, the other thing that's important, especially now, because things, as we talked about before, there's a lot changing in industries outside of tech that are affecting people's expectations within engagement with other companies, um, such as Dell. And so being able to adapt to customer needs, adapt to changing environments, that's, that's an incredibly important pillar for how we, how we think about things. Um, and moving fast um, is, is something that we've, we've embedded in our culture as well. Um, you know, I think the other thing that's important here is as we think about, um, as I think about the question that you raised was, 
differentiators for customers are no longer just the products or services. Those have to be top-notch. They have to be performing as, as expected and, and doing exactly what those customers need from whether it's a product or a service. But really, the, the next level of differentiation for us and what I think we do better than anybody else is essentially thinking about the whole experience. It's not just the products or services. It's about the whole customer experience across shopping, ordering, delivering, using through support. And so because we have that philosophy that we think about the entire end-to-end customer journey, that gives us an edge and allows us to move faster across all of those pillars. So it's no longer enough then for a product just to, to do its job? No. No. It's not. That has to be there. That it, we a customer has to have other reasons to maintain their relationship with you. And, it, and if you have the best products and services in the world, and um, we make it fundamentally hard to do business, then then that's not good. So we are we are maniacally focused on not only keeping our products and services where they need to be, but focused on how can we make it easier to do business with us in a changing environment. Yeah, I think I think that that phrase maniacally focused is a, is a, is a great place to uh, to bring it to a close. I want to say thank you very much, Erin, for your time. That's been a really fascinating chat with you. Thank you. It was great to talk with you. Yeah, you too. Okay, well, take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.